In American society, money is a taboo topic. We're taught at a young age it's improper to talk about it, but we're also bombarded with messages about the power and importance of money in our everyday lives. And by not talking about it, we miss out on the skills and lessons we need to effectively understand and financially plan. That changes today. Welcome to Money Tales. Hosted by Sandy Brager and Cami Doder, Money Tales brings more than 35 years of combined professional experience in personal finance to demystify money and demonstrate what it's like to speak openly about personal financial matters. Join us each episode as they interview modern-day movers and shakers about how money decisions intertwine with their daily lives in order to give you better insight into productive financial conversations. Subscribe today and register for our blog, Fathom, at Asperient.com slash podcasts to increase your money mojo. And now, here's Cami and Sandy. Hi, this is Cami. Lisa Danforth is our guest on Money Tales. Lisa woke up on her 50th birthday needing change. With her eyes closed, heart racing, and her mind running 100 miles an hour, she knew this is not sustainable. Lisa was an entrepreneur several times over. At that time, she had a catering company and was launching her fifth business. Lisa made the intentional decision to focus full-time on her new coaching practice. As a coach, Lisa's mission is to help business owners and leaders develop a saner approach to success. She helps clients establish goals, priorities, and a framework to build a business that will sustain the life they want to live, not consume it. Dubbed by her clients, the hand-holding ass-kicker, she brings the right amount of push with a dose of love and humor to the table. Hi, this is Sandy. Lisa shares many personal money stories with us. Here are three key Money Tales conversation topics she brings to life. First, Lisa talks about what it was like to build a business as a single mother on the heels of divorce. At Asperian, when we're serving clients who are going through a divorce, we know it's a significant transition period where identities and priorities often shift. Lisa shares how she successfully navigated this period of her life. Second, Lisa shares that she used to equate her self-worth with her net worth. This is a common theme we talk about on Money Tales. And the more we talk about money and our values, the easier it is to separate these two very different ways of measuring success. Third, Lisa recommends using humor to break through challenging situations. As you'll hear in this episode, humor is a great device to bring to money conversations because it invites relaxation and connection. Please stick around after the interview for a personal finance tip we want to leave you with. Now, onto our conversation with Lisa Danforth. Hello, Money Tales listeners. This is Cami. This podcast means a lot to us. Sandy and I went to a recent guest of the podcast, Craig Can, and we asked for some coaching. As a result of this work we did with Craig, we are going to change things up a bit. Craig had some great ideas. He took us through an intensive boot camp to get us focused on how we can best bring the money conversations we have with clients every day at Experian. Because they're magical, clients are sharing things with us that they oftentimes tell us they aren't comfortable sharing with others. And we want to bring those conversations into the world to help all of our listeners understand what it's like to have productive money conversations yourselves. I'm excited to try this new format. Let's get going. Welcome to our guest, Lisa Danforth. It's great to have you on Money Tales. Thank you so much, Cammie and Sandy. I am super excited and I'm really excited for this switching things up a little bit. Let's go. (laughs) In three steps, would you tell us the journey of your life, hitting on a couple of pivotal moments that really make you who you are? 
I grew up in a middle-class family in Maine, uh, very hardworking parents. When I was in my 20s, I moved west to Vermont. Take it all. <laughs> I am a 30-year, five-time entrepreneur, which actually frightens me that I can actually say that because it feels like five. It's just crazy. But I look like I'm 23. Heavens. <laughs> you do. <laughs> the funny thing is, is at the age of eight, I knew I wanted to be a business owner. I know that sounds wild. I was talking to my uncle at that time. He was going to the University of Southern Maine, which is interesting that that was where I so wanted to go to for business. Since the age of eight, I have known that I wanted to go to USM, get a degree in business and start my own business. And that's what I did. While I was in college, I actually had a professional housekeeping company so I could work around my schedule and make good money instead of having to work for minimum wage, doing something for someone else. So that was really big for me. And then I wound up moving to Vermont when I met my then husband and was waitressing and decided if I'm going to make very little money, I may as well work for myself. So I started a children's work company called Bottom Buddies and ran that for eight years. Learned a lot. Boy, the tail was wagging the dog. I had 56 home sewers, a full-time production manager. It was pretty big again. I am in my probably late 20s. And then when I was pregnant with my second child, I decided to sell that. After about a year, started a catering business, small little catering business that I ran for 14 years. It grew into a high-end boutique hors d'oeuvre style catering company. But in 2008, you too may remember this. That was a big <laughs> yeah. year, Lisa. It was like, poof, everyone oh. wanted the lesser cost events. So instead of being in competition with myself with the catering that I had built up that name, I decided to start a second division called Hot Betty Barbecue, which was far more reasonably priced. Ran both of those alongside each other for 14 years, which was really a lot of fun. But I had started coaching towards the end of that and got my certification and tried coaching and catering at the same time. That was too much. When I woke up basically on my 50th birthday, my heart was racing, my mind was racing, and I hadn't even opened my eyes. And I said, this is not sustainable. I need to do something different. And that's when I decided that I wanted to launch full-time into coaching. Why was it not sustainable? The mind racing, the heart racing, it was a constant seven days a week because I had in the interim gotten divorced. When we got divorced, my net profit was $5,000. So I had to take that and amp it up really quickly in order to be financially viable and be able to be financially stable. It grew very quickly. Catering is consuming. No pun industry. intended, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to live that way any longer. My mind always being consumed. I would be sitting on my sofa, watching a movie with my two boys, scrolling through mm -hmm. and checking mm -hmm. my email and then wondering why my kids are becoming disconnected from me. They're not coming to me. I'd be at my desk at five, six, seven o'clock at night and my boys would come up and say, hey mom, will you come here? Let's do this. And I'd be like, one more minute, one more minute. And when they wouldn't come back after that one minute, I'd be like, score, I can get one more thing done. I realized that I thought I was being present and I thought I was doing it for my children. It was building up what I most wanted to avoid. And I was doubling down on the effort and it was getting me more of what I did not want. So I decided again when I was 50 and the following summer, was my son's last year at home. And I thought, I'm not missing that for an event every single weekend. And I just made the choice. Before we get into the choice and the implications of the choice, will you tell us more <laughs> about the money side of what was going on? Because it sounds like you were working really hard. Was that because of the money? Was it money that was driving you? Or was it something else? That is such a deep and powerful question. 
it's really in my coaching years that I have fully understood the depth of why I made the choices that I made. There's a few things, but fundamentally to answer your specific question is I tied my self-worth to my net worth. So I wasn't worth as much. And especially as women, we aren't paid as much. We have to struggle harder. I find if you look at study after study, we still make 80 cents on the dollar. That's less so necessarily for entrepreneurs than it is for career women. But really tying that I always needed more. I needed to make more money so I could travel, so I could have that financial independence, so I could sock money away for retirement, so I could take my kids on a vacation. Their dad came for money. He did well. I stayed home and took care of the kids while he built his career. It was a choice. It was a privilege that I got to do that. I'm not negatively talking about it in that way, but it put my career on the back burner. And I had to start from scratch. So I would see these week ski vacations and Banff, Whistler, all of these things. And I couldn't do nearly as much. We'd go to my family camp in Maine, which was gorgeous and fun. But there was, in my mind, a bit of a competition to drive and push more. You wanted to achieve wealth for the gifts you could give. This eight-year-old girl you talked about, you want to be a business owner. I've got a seven-year-old. I can't imagine her next year saying to me, I want to be a business owner. Why were you driven this way? I just want to back up for a second. How many little girls want to be a doctor, the president, a princess, whatever it is? For me, I never went through the princess phase. I was definitely a tomboy. It excited me. I could do what I wanted. I could choose what I wanted. Freedom. Freedom. And that's what it is. And it's so interesting because that's what all of my clients come to me for. They want freedom, time, and financial. So I saw the opportunity at that young age. I saw my uncle leaving our town and going to Portland, Maine and going to the University of Southern Maine, going for business and being able to go into business and have this independence. And I wanted that. I was the youngest child, didn't have much of a voice, wasn't really allowed too many boundaries. Things were different then. You do what your parents say. And I learned how to do that so that I could get the pat on the head and get the kudos and avoid angering anyone. So the freedom just sounded really interesting. And the thought that I could come up with something that I wanted to do and do it in a way that was creative and fun to me, which of course is entirely different when you're eight than when you're older. Part of that comes back to when I was about eight, my dad used to take father-son fishing trips with his buddies. And he would try to get my brother to go with him. My brother had no interest. I was like, take me, take me. Would not take me because I was a girl. This happened again when I was in high school. I wanted to take auto mechanics because I thought, how cool would that be that I could change my own oil, change a tire? And... But the class was full. No one can see this, but I'm putting this in air quotes. The class was full. Yet other guys were able to get in. So this whole thing, because I was a girl, I felt limited my opportunities. And I was like, screw that. Entrepreneurial spirit, you're moving forward through life saying, I don't need to live by these rules. I can make up my own. You build businesses. You become a single mom. You have a lot of responsibilities on your plate. You're still working hard to build a business. You have a lot of goals in place. Your ex has more financial resources than you, so you feel the competition there. Tell us a little bit about that at the time. We see this a lot in the work that we do. There's big transitions. Our life is different. There might be other parties in our life that still have a lifestyle that we used to have or that we want to have. That competition, that sense of feeling, well, I want that again, or I want to be able to do these same things for my children comes up a lot in life. 
I often approach those difficult conversations with humor because I find that that breaks it a little bit. Can you go back to that time when you were crying? And I say that again with a sense of humor of, yeah, you've got to get back to that point in order to move through it instead of continually circling around it. That is massive. And that is a lot of the work, the growth that I've done that has allowed me to step into my self-worth and increase my net worth. And the competition, it's real. My family was middle class. We wanted for nothing, but my husband at the time definitely came from considerably more money. It was my mindset that got in the way, putting the division there. When I had a hard time, I had to make the mortgage, put the money on the table, and I was building my career. I didn't get support for a while after the divorce. But there's that competition of how do I keep up? My kids are off here doing all of these fun things. And I'm like, hey, let's go get a new pair of boots, (laughs) which they were grateful for. And in hindsight, I will say, kids understand, they grasp it. They would rather have had me on the sofa watching TV and talking with them about the movie than in my inbox, than taking them on the vacation. It's not what we're doing, it's who we be. That's what I misunderstood. I could have taken the money that I invested in going to Chicago for a vacation and got shingles while I was on vacation. That was so fun. I could have taken that and chosen to do something different, to pause and get clear on what is the experience that I want to have with my boys? Would it have been just as great if I could have asked my parents to have the entire week to just us and go to the house on the lake in Maine, this beautiful camp right on the lake, boat, beautiful commercial kitchen. I didn't pause to make my choices. I made assumptions and I reacted as opposed to acted. And when I truly got clear on what is the experience that I want, who do I want to be? What do I need to let go of to be that person and experience the relationships that I want to experience, be it financial independence, be it with my kids? It requires us to play the game of archery. You need to step back draw back, take aim and go. And then we can say, here's the goal that I'm going for. Here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Here's why I'm saying yes to this. And here's why I'm saying no to this. And here's why I'm stepping into that uncomfortable place of exploring my own shit. Why am I making these choices of what I'm doing? It takes a lot of grit. It is not fun while you're muddling through the muck and mire, but it is so worth it so that we can understand what is financial success for me? What is enough or what happens if we don't is I want to make 100,000. I want to make 500,000. If we don't know what fulfillment is for us, what success is for us, what the relationships are that we want to experience, we continue to hit those goals that we set or come close and not celebrate them, but just be like, great, where am I going now? I'm so glad you're bringing this to life because one of the things that we do when we work with clients is find out right away, what is the purpose of this wealth? What is most important to you? You need those big picture goals and everything else in life, whether it's money, whether it's what you're doing with your time, whether it's your relationships, all of that you can form around that vision. It's big. And this is the work I do with my clients as well. We start out with looking at what is the life that you want to live? What are the vacations? What is the home? Does mama need a new pair of shoes every now and then? Really getting clear on that life. And then let's look at the business that will sustain that life or the career. What is the revenue that your business needs to generate to sustain that so that we're super clear on how do we back out of that and create your actions and your priorities that are in context to here's what I want. Here's my goal. Here's my success. 
Same thing, I'd imagine, must be very similar to what you're doing. If this is the amount that you want to retire so that you can live that life, here's where we need to start because here's where you are right now. We've got to look at where you are right now because sometimes it's not so pretty. But it's only by looking where you are. Also looking back, look at the growth that I've had. Look at what I have achieved. Look at what I've overcome. That inspires us and motivates us and fuels us to move forward and say, I can afford another $100 a week. Sure, I can to invest in my retirement work an extra day for the next few weeks or month. I can hustle for the next year and know that this is the goal that I'm getting to so that I can then live that life that I want. Lisa, you brought up humor and the power of humor to break through things. I really believe in that. I think it allows us to talk about taboo topics. Do you use humor with your coaching clients to help them talk about money? Oh yeah. Listen, my tagline is, I hold your hand while I kick your ass. For a more politically correct, I'm called the Velvet Hammer as well. Creating that safe space for us to explore the shit that's getting us stuck. Look at what is getting in our way. What is the mindset? All actions, all behaviors are belief driven. So we've got to look at that. And humor helps. You have an insecurity questioning your ability in financial matters. And if you just laugh about it, you realize it's not that big of a deal. So Kimmy, I have a question for you. Okay, Sandy. Can you think of a situation involving money in your life where you can laugh back on it? It's the hindsight. In the moment, I can't. But yeah, I can laugh about something that held me up. Absolutely. Lisa, I love that you're bringing up the power of mindset because we all have the ability to say it can be different. It can be different. And I love that you're bringing this up because so often what I see for people I speak with is we are often creating that which we're most trying to avoid. So our fear of failure is having us put one foot on shore and one foot on the boat and then not fully launching that belief about ourselves. Do I have what it takes? And then we live into our belief because look, see, I can't do it. I can fail. I'm going to fail. When we allow fear, whether it is for launching a career, starting a business, money, whatever it may be, when we allow our fear to stop us, we're creating that which we're most trying to avoid. It can keep us so small that we don't have that financial stability. It's twice as hard to achieve that financial stability, that financial independence, because we're not investing and understanding compound interest. We come from a lack mindset. You turned 50, you had this big aha moment when you woke up that morning that you wanted to do something different. You decided to pursue coaching. Can you tell us about a money risk that you took during that period of time when you were just getting comfortable learning about how minds work and what it takes to make sound financial decisions for yourself? I started going to the Adler School of Coaching out in Arizona back before I got divorced. I was about two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through when we separated. And I understood that I had the choice of, do I build this catering business, which is already doing okay, or do I choose to finish my coaching certification and then build from scratch? So that financial decision was, I'm going to double down on the catering business. Three years before, I decided to go back and get certified because, you know, when things just keep popping up in front of you and I was like, okay, universe, got it. Everything just unfolded so naturally. I went in for certification. I got certified through the Coaches Training Institute and then tried to launch my coaching career with my catering career. And that was part of my choice of this coaching career is my purpose. It is my mission. Catering was fun and I learned a lot, but it was also paying the bills. So I kept thinking I'll build my coaching career and then launch. 
it didn't happen because I couldn't focus on it. So I kept choosing the financial stability rather than following my passion and my purpose and my joy, my authenticity. So when I woke up on that morning when I was turning 50, I just thought, screw it, life is too short. If I have to literally clean toilets to make this happen, this is what I'm going to do. And that was a choice that I made. It was March. And I decided I was going to go through the end of the year because I can be fiscally responsible and said, I'm going to go through so that I can get all the tax write-offs. And I had a Christmas event, a couple of events. I had tons of weddings that summer. And December 31st was my last event. And I chose understanding this is not going to be the easiest choice. I wound up selling my house when my youngest was moving away from college. Both boys live out in Washington state. A, it was hard enough to get them to mow the lawn. I was not going to do it. And it was this big house that I'd run the catering business out of. So I sold that and moved into an apartment until I decided where I wanted to live. And I invested some of the proceeds from my house into my coaching, which was really hard to do. Like if I'm going to invest in anything, I am going to invest in myself. But here's what I want to share. I was that person with one foot on shore and one foot on the boat for so long. And it wasn't until I stepped into my authenticity. I'm quirky, I'm wacky, and I bring it. That's when my company really has taken off. My business has really taken off. And the impact that I'm making with my clients is exponential, but my income is also exponential. So in hindsight, would I do it differently? The only thing different is I would talk to my younger self and say, girl, get off that shore and launch that damn boat because you've got it. I was creating what I was most trying to avoid by staying on land and shore. So I'm glad I made that financial decision. I'm glad I did the investment. When I look at my portfolio, I still think, oh, that would have been a nice chunk to have in there, but there's always more to make. And the more I step into and owning what I want, specifically the life I want to live, allowing myself to show up authentically, my impact is becoming exponential. My income is also growing exponentially. I love that story because you said when you had your foot on land and your foot on the boat that you were choosing between financial security and your passion and purpose. You move one of your feet over, you got on that boat and guess what? The financial security came, you made it work. And I love that you use the words I chose. There's power in that and there's confidence that comes out in everything that you're sharing with us. And it's wonderful to hear this success story. It's been a long journey, and I will say it is choice. And one of my favorite quotes is by Viktor Frankl, Holocaust survivor, author, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response, and in our response lies our growth and our freedom. Such a powerful quote. It is all about choice. It is all about pausing and creating a bit of a distance, a bit of a break, whether it's a moment before saying yes or a couple of weeks, but in that space is our power. And that's exactly what happened was I created the space for me to say, I'm going to do this and here's why. I know my soul will not be happy. Have you ever heard of Bronnie Ware? She's a palliative care nurse taking care of people in their last dying days. She wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. Number one regret, I wished I had lived a life true to myself and not what others had expected of me. And I understood that that's exactly what I was doing. I could connect to that future of I don't want to be 50, 60, 70, 80, thinking, damn, if I had just, I would have been so successful had I. I don't want that. Failure is a part of success. It is a part of the journey. And we have to understand that. And it goes with investments, whether it's in your business, whether it's in yourself, whether it's in the stock market, there's the ups and the downs. It is a part of life. Well said, Lisa. Thank you so much for sharing that. 
As our conversation comes to a close, will you tell us what's your next money conversation going to be and who's it going to be with? I got two. One, myself. But two, really my kids. When they were younger, I took them in to see my financial advisor and have him talk to them about money and the power of compound interest. And I started a Roth IRA for them back then. The guy was great in explaining it. And my kids, I keep pushing them. Even if you invested $10 a week, if you did the numbers, look out to when you're 60, you are going to be so set and they can take the principal out, which is great. I'll probably circle back around. I've been wanting to do that in the last few months. So this is a great impetus for me to reach out. So thanks for that. That sounds like a great conversation. Roth IRAs are a great way to save money on a tax-free basis for the long term. So what a great mom you are. Thank you so much for being our guest. So great to meet you two lovely ladies. Just keep on rocking on. You're doing such amazing and powerful work. Thank you. It was a great conversation with Lisa and she shared so much. At the end, she talked about a really important finance topic, setting up Roth IRAs for her sons. I would love for you to bring to life the Roth IRA for our listeners and why they should consider setting one up for themselves or their family members. Roth IRAs are really fun planning tools. When you make a contribution to a Roth IRA, you're contributing dollars that you've already paid tax on. Once the money goes into the Roth IRA, you can invest it there and the money grows on a tax-free basis for the remainder of your life. Unlike a traditional IRA, you're not required to take money out. What Lisa shared about using it as a tool for her sons was great. In order to contribute to a Roth, you must have some earned income. So you have to have had a job or earn self-employment income in order to qualify. And there are income limitations and there's a limitation on how much you can contribute each year. But these are great tools to use with young people for many different reasons. First, it's a great entree for them into investing. They can contribute money. As a parent, you can match contributions for your child as long as you're observing the different limitations. You can use the account as a way to begin having really important money conversations with your child and teaching them about investments and how to grow money over time. And they can get used to looking at their account online with you. My husband and I helped our son, Ben, set up a Roth IRA when he started earning money. It's really fun to see how he's using it and the pride that he has for making contributions. If he or anyone who contributes to a Roth IRA ever needs it, you can take out the money that you put into it. If you start taking out earnings, there might be some penalties that apply depending upon how long the money was in the Roth IRA and how long it was invested for. But generally speaking, when people set up Roth IRAs and contribute to them, it's a good idea to let the money continue to grow. And this should really be the last money that you touch if you really need money. If you need it in a pinch, it's there. Is this really only for young people then? Anyone who meets the rules can contribute to a Roth IRA. So again, you have to be careful of the income limitations and you have to make sure that you have earnings and you are limited on how much you can contribute to the plan each year. So if you meet that criteria, you absolutely can make a contribution the reason why Roth IRAs are so popular with younger people is because they tend to be in lower tax brackets. So they're putting money that they've paid tax on at a pretty low rate, investing it. And when you're young, you have the longest time horizon you'll ever have for investing in your lifetime. So you hit all the marks if you're a young person and you set up a Roth IRA and invest. 
I thought it was brilliant that Lisa did that for her sons. It's a great strategy. It's one that we utilize with clients at Experian all the time. I love the matching idea. Remember the guests that their parent or their grandparent matched anything they saved from their allowance? You just gave another incentive for people to not spend money that should be set aside for future needs. It's great. And especially if you have an account owner, whether it's your child or someone else who hasn't learned how to save, that can be a great incentive for helping them. Quick trivia before we end this episode. Do you know how Roth IRAs got their name? David Lee Roth. Good guess. But no, they were named after a now deceased Senator William Roth, who came up with the idea from the government's perspective, it was a way to bring in more tax revenue today rather than in a traditional IRA context where the money would grow on a pre-tax basis and then be taxed when money was taken out. Traditional IRAs are also a great strategy. Having some combination of traditional and Roth IRAs brings a lot of tax diversification to a person's personal financial situation. So listeners, check it out. See if it's something you want to take advantage of. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money Tales. We are interested in continuing to bring different money stories to life on our podcast. So if you have a recommendation of a guest, or if you are interested in being on the podcast, please reach out to us. You can email us at podcast@experient.com. You've been listening to Money Tales, hosted by Sandy Brager and Cami Doder. To subscribe to the show on your favorite platform or to increase your money mojo via their blog, Fathom, head on over to Asperient.com slash podcasts. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Money Tales. Money Tales.